0: Today's sermon you, you find in your bulletin is uh, who Who is your father? I I thought of uh, saying who, who's your daddy. <laughs> but Chris Chris told me that that would sound too flippant. So it's it's who's your father, and that's that's what this is about. Um, in a recent article in uh, the the journal. Preaching today, David Prince writes, I know a family who adopted an older child from an unspeakably horrific orphanage in another country. And when they brought her home out of these things, they told her that she was expected to clean her room every day. When she heard about that responsibility, she fixated on it and saw it as a way she should earn her family's love. In other words, she she isolated the responsibility and applied it to her existing frame of thinking that was shaped by life in the orphanage. Thus, every morning when her parents came in her room, it was immaculate, and she would sit on her bed, and she'd say, my room is clean. Can I stay? Uh, her words broke her new parents' hearts. And eventually, this girl learned to hear her parents' words as their unconditionally beloved child who would never be forsaken, not as a visitor trying to earn her place in the family. And after she knew that she was an inseparable part of the family story, even correction and discipline did not cause her to question her family's love for her. She understood correction and discipline to be part of what it meant to be in the family. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be in the family of God. I'm glad that God loves me unconditionally. I'm glad that I can come to him with my my weaknesses and my faults. I can confess my sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive me and, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, John, John likes to talk about the family of God, both in... Uh, his epistles and, and in his gospel. In the gospel account he makes this really great statement about being in the family of God. John first chapter nine one through thirteen. John chapter one nine through thirteen, excuse me. Speaking of Jesus, he says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Great passage. And what an awesome promise that is. If we, if we believe in him, if we receive him, we're given the right to be called the children of God. We're given a birthright, and it's it's one that comes with a great privilege, but also great responsibility, and this is what John talks about in today's text, John chapter 2, verse 28 through 3, verse 10, and he also gives a warning to those who might think they're God's children, but who really are not, you know, John's very black and white, isn't he? You know, he talks He talks in terms of light and darkness, sin and, and righteousness. And here he talks about who our father is, whose children we, we really are. Read with me, starting in chapter 2, verse 28. And now little children, abide in him so that when he appears we might we might have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and, and so we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, for we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, do not let anyone deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, we're God's children. And this says that God's children do not practice sin. (coughs) God's children do not live in sin. They do not practice sin habitually. But the devil's children do. That's what this is about. So if we believed and received, we're we're part of the family of God. And as such, God, or excuse me, John, God through John, gives us some instruction. First, we're to abide in him, abide in him. John says, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Uh, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, we're 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 closer today than we ever have been to the coming of Jesus. Uh, you know, John's already established earlier that, that we're in the last hour. We need to live in anticipation. Do we do that? Do we live in anticipation of His return? Are are we ready? Uh, in Matthew twenty five, Jesus talks about our readiness. Matthew 25, the the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took their flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. After the other virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. You know, are we going to be ready for Christ's return? How are we going to be ready for, for Christ's return? You know, not, not by worrying about uh, blood moons or, you know, figuring out who the Antichrist is. Many people over the centuries have, have done that. They've all been wrong. Or, you know, by successfully connecting all the dots, knowing all the mysteries of the, the scripture, not by using numerology or looking for planetary alignments. We're going to be ready for his return by abiding in him, by abiding with him, being with him, remaining in him. We're going to be ready by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the oil in our lamps is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be ready by being with him and being close to him. Remember John said earlier in this epistle in chapter 2, by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. This is talking about Christ's likeness. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that some of us when Jesus returns... You know, might be taken be, be taken by surprise. We we might be engaged in shameful things upon his return. You know, disobeying him, not loving one another as, as he commanded. You know, spreading dissension, being in love with the world. Being out of fellowship with with him, yeah. You know, let's let's abide in Christ. Let's abide in Him, seeking His righteousness, not our own. Uh, John says, "If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him." And this is our assurance. This is our confidence. As we abide in Him and His righteousness, we'll be ready. Second, He says, "Be assured." Be assured. If we believed in Jesus and received him as our Savior, we know we're the children of God. You know, I love this, what John says here. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. What a privilege that is. I, I like the, the, the word King James Version uses for this. He starts out, Behold. Look at this. Check this out. This is important. Look, look at the love that God has for us, that we should be called God's children, you know, and it's amazing that God's love would extend to us this way. We're so undeserving that that we should be adopted in his family. You know, what what love is this, that, that God would consider us to be his children and him, our father, you know, that we would be co-heirs with with Jesus, that we would be the benefactors of, of God's glory and God's grace. Uh, and we haven't done anything to deserve it. What love. Check it out. What love this is. You know, we can, we can barely comprehend the extent of God's love for us. God's love so deep and amazing that he'd sent his son. Billy Graham says the son of God became became man to enable men to become the sons of God. Let me repeat that. The son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says it. He says, you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God is, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins he made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus is that glorious or, or what? We're the children of our Father, God, our Heavenly Father. Our, our identity is, is in him. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And that's how we need to see ourselves. We need to view ourselves in terms of Jesus Christ. John says that the world will not understand this. The world won't won't be able to, to grasp this. They don't understand. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Nonetheless, the world should see us and recognize that somehow we're different. We have something that the world does not have. We have someone the world does not have. Something about us should be attractive, attractional. Our lives should point people to Christ. We need to bear witness to who he is and what he's done for us. So my third sub-point here is we're we're privileged. We are privileged. We, We have a great future. God says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, for we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Oh, we have looked at what we have to look forward to. It's amazing. (coughs) And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You know, our hope in him should have a transformative effect on us. Tom prayed that this morning, that we would be... Change, that we would be transformed. And that's the effect that he has on us. A commentator, uh, Gary Burge says, a mind singularly focused on meeting Jesus will discover a renewed power to pursue righteousness so that when he appears, our righteousness will resonate with him. This recalls the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we're the children of God. Now having said this, John follows with uh, some pretty strong points. He gives us a warning. He says, God's children do not live in sin. God's children do not practice sin. Sin is incompatible with, with Christian living. You know, John talks about people who who make a a practice of sin. And notice this word practice in in the ESV, and I'm not sure what your translation says, but in in the ESV, this word practice shows up seven times in in our text today. You know, a person who practices is someone who has become good at something, right? They've, They've trained. What does a doctor do? A doctor practices medicine. A doctor puts a lot of time into that skill. Don was telling me yesterday how much of his life he devoted to memorizing and learning just on a continual basis so that he could practice medicine. What do lawyers do? (laughs) No, don't say it. Uh, Practice law they're skillful. you know they they study, they, they train, it becomes really a, a, a part of who they are, a part of who they are. A person who practices sin is very well trained and skilled in sinning. This is a person who's occupied with sin, a, a person who disregards God's will. A person who rejects God's commandments, John's made that very clear throughout this this letter. Uh, the, the, it's a person who does not want what God wants. His will is contrary to the will of God, and John says this person is practicing lawlessness. You know, this person has a, a lawless disposition. This person is rebellious. practice of sin is unrepentant sin it just keeps on going Jesus says love God with all your heart your soul your mind and your strength but this person says no I'm going to do it my way I'm going to please myself Jesus says love your your brother as I have loved you this person says no I'm going to do what benefits me I don't care about the other person. You know, this is this is a mind that is set against God. This is lawlessness. A sinful heart doesn't care what God wants. A sinful person refuses to be accountable to the commandments of a holy God. Instead chooses to make their own rules. And you know what? It's this sin that Jesus came to earth to deal with, is it not? To take it away the one with no sin died for us who were full of sin Jesus or John, John says no one who abides in him keeps on sinning this person does not persist in their sin no one keeps on sinning has either seen him nor known him so here's, here's the obvious thing you know, we we cannot abide in Christ at the same time we reject him. We cannot bow before the throne of God while we're rebelling against him. It's incongruous. It's incompatible. One who keeps sinning, one who keeps on sinning, John says, is not a child of God. And again, John's very black and white with this. You know, such a person is is deceived, maybe deceiving themselves, maybe deceived by the enemy. Maybe deceived by those who say it's no big deal. You do what you want to do. But John in verse 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. So God's children do not practice sin. God's children do not habitually sin. God's children do not refuse to repent. But Satan's children do, John says. You know, in these verses, we hear some pretty strong words. This is the stark reality, though. He says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning since the beginning. And according to God's word, here a person who's living in habitual unrepentant sin is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning since the beginning. Such stern warning, words of warning. What does John mean about being? What does he mean by this? Being of the devil. You know, John's been talking about us being God's children. A uh, commentator says this verse begins a long treatment of the fundamental connection between knowing God and doing righteousness, which provides the basis for distinguishing those who are the children of God from those who are children of the devil. If we, if we make a practice of sinning, we sin by habit it's become so ingrained in us we're we're committed to sinning we're we're in a state of active rebellion against god practicing sin is going against god going our own way instead of his doing our thing not god's and what happens when we practice sin what happens when it becomes a habit or our consciences are seared. We, we begin to be comfortable with it. We begin to no longer recognize our sin as something that, that grieves God. We lose the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. We don't have oil in our lamps. We're not ready for Christ's return. We, we lose that ability to hear from the Spirit of God when he brings conviction. We, we persist in our sin. We might even think that our sin is actually a good thing. We might think that our sin is doing God a, a service, just like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. The longer we persist in sin, we might be listening to that serpent who said to Eve, did God really say that? You know, the, the enemy has been whispering this question into our ears for a long time, since the beginning. And when we listen, we become practitioners of sin. And yes, it's true. Remember, John made this very clear. We all sin. He said, if, if anyone says they don't sin or they don't have sin, he's, he's deceived, he's lying. But what's the difference? We have an advocate. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to keep a short account with with God. We need to be ready to repent as soon as sin is brought to our consciousness. But what John's talking about here is, is someone who's sinning, knowing it's wrong, not caring, they don't bring it to the Lord. They don't want to bring it to the Lord. They cling to their sin. They might be real religious, but their religion is a sham. You know, the story of the Bible is the story of God's redemption of, of sinful man. You know, the, John says the reason that Jesus came was destro- to destroy the works of the devil. Remember in Genesis after Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God told Eve, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. You know, the, the prophecy of this, this Messiah who will come and conquer sin. Jesus, the, the son of God, he came to Bring freedom to those who are in bondage to sin. Hebrews 2.14-15 says that through, through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. John in verse 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. So again, habitual sin is not compatible with being a child of God. Period. We cannot be of God and the devil at the same time. (laughs) We have one father. Which are we? John gives us a couple indicators here. Case there's any doubt. Verse ten, he says, "It's evident who the children of God, who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God." You know, rather being rather than being people of habitual sin, God's children are people of habitual righteousness, practicing righteousness is not the same as practicing religion you know the religious leaders of Jesus day again they were very religious they practiced their religion with great devotion yet Jesus told them something very harsh John 8:39 through 47 they answered him and said abraham is our father and jesus said to him if you were abraham's children you would be doing the works abraham did but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Listen to what Jesus said. He said to them in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I did not come from my own accord, but he sent me. If I tell the truth, you do not believe me. For whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not of God. Isn't this what John is saying in this letter? If we love God and obey him, we, if we're his, we're gonna keep his commandments. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. Those who are not of God can't bear to hear the word of God because they won't listen, they won't obey. They would rather they would rather hear from their father the devil and do his will, his desires. And the desire of the devil is that people practice sin. They sin habitually. Look at what John says next. Here's the here's the second indicator. And this should sound very familiar because John has repeated this so many, many times. And he's going to repeat it again as we go along in the letter. <clears throat> it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of devil. It is the one who does not love his brother. So John, once again, zeroes in on this command that we love one another. Jesus said the mark of the disciple, the true disciple is is brotherly love. The world will know us as his because we love each other. Conversely, we will not be known as disciples if we do not love each other. We we can make no claim to uh, being children of God if we don't. Uh, in, indeed if we if we don 't john says here we 're children of the devil, not children of god first corinthians thirteen one through two. you all know this if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love. I'm nothing. Without love, we're nothing. Without love, we're not God's children. John goes as far as to say, without love, we're not children of God, but we're children of the devil. This is God's word. This is God's word, brothers and sisters. Uh, Do we believe this? Are we, are we able to receive this? Let's wrap this up. So, you know, this raises the question, uh, who, who's your father? Are, are you a child of God or are you a child of the devil? Having asked that, what's the evidence? What's the evidence? That supports your claim. John makes it clear. You know, God's amazing love is demonstrated in that we can be called His children if we believe on Him and receive Him. And His children live as His children. They don't live in habitual sin. They Live in habitual righteousness, seeking Him first in His righteousness. They love one another. John makes it also clear who are not God's children, because they bear the mark of, of sin and hatred. Where does the evidence point? Who's your father? We we need to take this seriously. Let's pray. Our Father, our Father, thank you for uh, making us your own through Jesus Christ. Uh, Help us, Lord, to see where we fall short. Help us to uh, turn away, Lord, from our our stubbornness and our unrepentance and our rebellion. Lord, we want to be practitioners of righteousness, not practitioners of sin. Lord, we, we need you, we, we, uh, we turn to you. Lord, we, we need your strength to, to overcome. And I thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us, Lord. We pray this in the wonderful, powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Hebrews thirteen twenty and 21 says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Lord, I pray that you um, penetrate our hearts deeply, Lord. Let your word live in us and dwell in us uh, richly. Amen. Amen.